every night he would speak to Allah and he say, Ya Allah, is this life? If it is, take my life. My name is Fuad Kalsi. Some of you may know me from Falcon Travel. Some of us have done Hajj together, Umrah together, visited Beit al-Maqdis, and gone on tours around the world. Some of you may know me from the Langley Islamic Center, where I am the Imam as well. But I'm not here to speak about that today. I'm here to share a story, a special story, about an individual. So let's get started. This individual was born and raised in Canada. Came from a orthodox Muslim family, a practicing devout Muslim family. He himself went to madrasa, became Hafiz al-Quran, spent some time studying the deen, and was basically considered the prized child of their family. If any parent could imagine what they would want their child to be like, this individual fit that description. Not only was he successful in the deen and practicing his deen, but he was successful in the dunya as well. He was educated, had a degree, had a executive corporate paying job. So from a parent's perspective, they hit the jackpot. And alhamdulillah, he was the pride of the family. This individual never touched alcohol, never touched any sort of drugs recreationally, nothing. He got married at an early age because he wanted to avoid fitna. He had three beautiful children, two boys and one girl specifically. So all in all, his parents, his family, his friends, his wife, his children, his employer, his teachers, his ustads, everyone was proud of this individual. He was coasting along in life, basically on autopilot. Let's fast forward a little bit. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tests the ones that he loves the most. Little did this individual know that autopilot wasn't going to cut it. And there was more to this dunya than just coasting along. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had a surprise for him. In December of 2012, this individual took his family on a long-awaited dream vacation to Disney World in Orlando. The family, the kids, super excited. Not only that, he took his siblings as well. And it was a big family trip. They reached the parking lot of the amusement park and 
this is where his life was no longer going to be the same. He got out of the car and he could not walk. He started having pain in his pancreas area. Like severe, sharp pain that would shoot back into his back. Like someone had speared him and started twisting the spear. Literally decapitating him, like he could not walk. So he didn't want his family uh, to end the trip because of him or stop um, enjoying the rest of the day. He went back to his car, he told his family that you guys go enjoy, I'm going to go rest at the hotel and I'll see you later. So he went back to the hotel and couldn't bear the pain. Ended up calling one of his friends who was a doctor, asked him what to do. And basically, at that point, um, he was told that he is most likely suffering from pancreatitis and that he should call an ambulance immediately. So he called the ambulance and he was in Orlando in the hospital for 11 days. And he was diagnosed with pancreatitis. This is where his journey with opioids and addiction begins. The doctors did every test in the book that they could to figure out why this individual had pancreatitis. What pancreatitis is, is the inflammation of your pancreas. And it's usually caused by gallstones or alcoholism, which both of these things were not applicable to this individual. So again, remember that Allah tests the ones he loves. So the doctors could not find uh, an answer to his solution. He left the, the hospital after 11 days. In the process, the company that he worked for while he was in the hospital had packaged him out after 12 years of his loyalty to this company. They had a reorganization and they packaged him out. So here he is, he didn't get to enjoy his vacation. He lost his job. And now he's coming home with no solution, no cure. And he's been given a bottle of pills, which are supposed to help him every time he has pain. He comes back home. Luckily, by the grace of Allah, he had a very, very large hospital bill. And as he had just been packaged out, he still had insurance. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala took care of his expenses. Now once he came home, he had seven more attacks, starting from one month from the time he returned back from Orlando. So seven attacks, seven pancreatitis attacks during that year, which was 2013. At that point, doctors had said it had developed into chronic pancreatitis, but still they, don't, they did not know why he was suffering from this ailment. All they could do was give this individual opioids, oxycodone, oxyneo, long-lasting, short-acting.
Anytime he felt pain, the direction was every four to six hours, use as needed. He continued to take this medication for the following three years, 2013, 14, and 15. And we fast forward to December 24th, 2015. Up until this point, he knew nothing about addiction. He just continued to take the medication, go for his follow-up checkups, for the tests, as the doctors continued to struggle to find the solution to his problem. December 24, 2015, his wife informed him when he asked for his medicine that the medicine was on its last dosage. There was no more left in the bottle. So he said, what's the big deal? Haven't you ever gone one day without medication? And his wife said, yeah, but tomorrow's Christmas, 25th of December, all the doctors are closed. So you're going to have to wait to get it till the 26th. So he said, not a big deal, because I've missed one day of medication many times in my life. So he took the last dosage on the evening of 2014, uh, sorry, 13 December 24th. And after four hours, six hours, the medication wore off. The pain came back full force. And not only did it come back, but for the first time in his life, he experienced something, something horrible. He experienced the worst thing that he had ever experienced in his life. Withdrawals. This individual wanted and was begging his wife after about 16 hours of suffering and pain, the withdrawals took full force and was begging and pleading that please take a bat to my head. Put me out of my misery. Because he describes it as every single inch of his body felt like it was on fire. Every single bone in his body felt like it was aching, like someone was taking a hammer slowly and just kept on banging it against every single bone. He lost control of his bowels. He lost control of uh, his stomach. He started throwing up. He literally locked himself in his room for the next 24 hours until he could see the doctor because he didn't want his children to see him in this condition nor did he want his parents to see him in this condition. He had realized what had happened to him. He was addicted. So on the 26th of December, 2013, uh, 15, this individual went to his doctor and begged him to give him the antidote, to give him the injection that will take away this addiction and that he will no longer need the medication. And the doctor explained to them that 
he was not ready to be taken off the medication because there was no solution to his pain. And he said he's willing to forego and deal with the pain, but does not want to deal with withdrawals ever again. So the doctor informed him that when it's time, we will take you off and we will taper you off. It's not as simple as an injection. This is how naive this individual was. Like I said before, he never used anything recreationally. He never, he never had a chance to explore and be curious about what's out there. He was in Madrasa, came, got married. Like I said, prize child of the family. So now he's living with the reality that he's an addict. That not only does he have to deal with the problem of his pancreatitis pain, but he has to deal with the addiction. Let's fast forward again. March of sorry, May of 2016. His doctor gets audited by the College of Physicians. And by this point, because the way opioids work, every month, pretty much, you have to increase the dosage because that dosage simply does not work. It doesn't give the pain relief, so you have to go stronger and stronger. So someone who started off with one pill a day, maybe five milligrams, this individual, he ended up at that point probably on 30 a day. So his doctor was audited that he was prescribing terminally ill cancer patient dosage to an individual that had pancreatitis. After this, he started chopping down his dosage very severely. The doctor did. This individual started living a life of misery in constant withdrawal every single day of his life. He started resenting the medical system. He started fighting with his doctor, resenting his doctor, begging, pleading, crying that don't do this to me, it's hurting me, but to no avail. Which forced him to eventually source the same medication via Ill illicit and illegal ways. And he did so for eight months and at a cost of $40,000. So when this individual started realizing that he is basically blowing his children's future, and soon he realized the writing on the wall that he will not be able to sustain this he decided to come forward to his family. But remember, let's take a step back. This is the same individual that's half of the Quran. Same individual that is successful in the dunya. 
This is the same individual that goes for Hajj every year. Same individual who goes for Umrah every year. Same individual who has a business. Now he's going to Hajj. He's begging Allah. Ya Allah, not only do I have this illness, but I have this addiction as well. And I'm burning through the money that I worked so hard for. So he returns back from Hajj, October 2016, somewhere around that time, and finally decides to tell his family. His wife, may Allah be pleased with her and bless her, knew about everything, but stood by him throughout those almost four and a half years. So he told his family that this is the situation and I need support. He went looking within his community, but continuously just ran into the same scholars uh, that said, you know, read this wazifa, do this adhkar, fast, and inshallah you'll be fine, and make lots of dua. Yes, do tahajjud. But there was no real understanding of what this individual was going through. And it came to a point where in December of 2016, a friend of his came to visit him a few weeks prior, and he seen him in the condition that he was. He was no longer working. He was no longer even taking care of his business. He was no longer a father, no longer a husband, no longer a son. He was an individual who would sit on his balcony all day long and would just pop pills whenever he felt that it was wearing off. His life had been consumed by this opioid addiction. How Allah takes you from this height and brings you down is amazing. But when you're at that down, there's something special about that. There's something special about that place. And that place brings you to the brink. That place brings you to the brink of either complete dependence on none other than Allah or complete defiance. So his friend, his close, one of his best friends came to see him and saw his condition and he said, you need to get out of here. Let's go on a vacation. And so after a lot of convincing, because this individual was not interested in leaving anywhere, he was comfortable, he did not want to be bothered, but after a lot of convincing and talking to his family, his family convinced him, his friend convinced him, they decided to go to Tokyo, to Japan. And because he had never been there. So he wanted to get away and see something new and different. 
Three days before their departure, he finally got excited. He said, okay, I'm going for this trip. Maybe I should research what to do in Tokyo. And he started watching YouTube videos, 25 things to do in Tokyo. And he watched them, and then it auto-played um, to the next video, and the next video was seven things not to do in Tokyo. And number four on that list in that video was do not bring your legal prescriptions from your country into Japan because certain drugs are not legal in Japan. And it referenced the story about a Toyota executive who was arrested and apparently spent 40 days in jail because they brought a legal prescription from the United States, but which was banned and illegal in Japan. <coughs> so he, his jaw dropped at that point. Right away he went to the um, customs website and you know what you can import and export and he did his research of Japan and he found out that both of his medications were on the banned substance list. And this, at this point he called his friend and he said, listen, I can't accompany you on this trip. And he goes, come on man, we've gone through this so many times. You finally agreed to come. He goes, listen, unless you want to be going back and forth between jail and the lawyers, I can't travel. And this is why I can't come. So that trip was canceled. And at that junction, his life completely changed. He went into the darkest place he had ever been. He became suicidal. But his iman flickering kept on reminding him that none other than Allah has the right to give and take life. So every night he would speak to Allah and he'd say, Ya Allah, is this life? If it is, take my life. Because at this point, he couldn't even travel anymore. Something that he'd loved to do. He was in that industry. So he went into the darkest depression of his life and Allah bless his parents and his family and his wife. They said, you know what, you really need to go somewhere. So travel, you and your wife go somewhere where it's legal for you to travel with your prescription. And lo and behold, they traveled to the United States, San Francisco. Now this is December 31st, I'm going to fast forward because these dates are important as there's certain signs that Allah hides in all of these things. So they're in San Francisco in the middle of winter and he's basically like bah humbug like a Scrooge. He's not in a good mood. He doesn't understand why he's there. He's not enjoying himself. And come December 31st, him, his wife, and some friends that he knows from that area go to the, see the fireworks. They come back and him and his wife go to their hotel, 2 a.m. in the morning. 
And this is when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and you depend on Allah. <laughs> Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allahumma salli ala Muhammad. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala shows. People say there's no miracles that happen. Miracles do happen. So 2 o'clock in the morning, he's talking to his wife and he said, I don't understand why we even came on this trip. And they're supposed to go back home the next day now, finally January 1st. Because his children are at home, their vacation has gone by, their winter vacation. So he says to his wife, I don't understand why we even came. And she said, Alhamdulillah, you, like, you relaxed, you got away, it was a change of scenery. You know, our risk was written here. And he ends up turning the TV on. And there's nothing on TV other than Law and Order, an episode of Law and Order. So he starts watching this, this episode of Law and Order. And it's about an individual that is a heroin addict. And they need his testimony to further their case and win the case or whatever it is. And lo and behold, the judge says, I can't accept his testimony unless he's clean, meaning he's no longer dependent or addicted. So they said, well, how are we supposed to do this in the next couple of weeks? And there's, you know, a doctor is part of their team and he says, well, there is a solution. Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. And that solution is in a tree root called Iboga. It's from West Africa. An ancient tribe called the Buiti tribe discovered this tree root. And how they discovered it is a quite amazing story as well. So they considered it divine medicine. So what happened is they would hunt porcupines. This is their story. And the porcupine was eating from the iboga tree at the bottom of it or wherever, the tree shrubs or whatever. And they ended up hunting it. They took it home, they cooked it, and the family started eating. And lo and behold, after they ate it, they all fell under a psychedelic journey. They closed their eyes and they were gone. Okay. And in that psychedelic journey, um, you know, after they woke up, they realized that all their illnesses were gone and that they had apparently met God or they had realized God. So for them, it's a very divine medicine and they still till today use it. So in this show, this, this doctor says, well, it's illegal in the United States. And the rest of his team say, well, why is it illegal if it's curing people from addiction? And he says, well, because pharmaceutical, the pharmaceutical industry doesn't make money off of cures. They make money off of maintenance. And so he said, well, if I, if I was to take him as a doctor to these clinics, they're underground and they're illegal. I would lose my license. Anyhow, fast forward, 
He takes him eventually. He reports himself to the College of Physician. Lo and behold, the kid gets clean in three days, apparently. And he gives his testimony, uh, what, whatever, they, they win the case. They're able to do what they want to do. At the end of the episode, his wife basically asks him, why are you writing down Iboga? Why are you taking such a keen interest in Iboga? And she doesn't make the connection. She doesn't realize that heroin is from the same family as oxycodone, as the medications that this individual was on. The only difference is heroin is a street drug and oxycodone is a legal form of that pill, uh, of that drug. So he goes back and he starts researching, researching. You have to understand that this individual has been researching for the last eight months to find a solution, but he can't find a solution. All he's been doing is research, sitting out on his balcony and talking to Allah. That's it, making du'as. He had foregone even prayers. He wasn't praying anymore either. Someone who was a hafiz of Qur'an, it couldn't motivate himself to pray anymore. That's the situation he was in. So all of a sudden he hears about Iboga and never once did it cross his path in any of his search. So he starts searching Iboga and he finds a gamut of information online. He starts studying like a crazy madman and he ends up finding a clinic that does it in Canada, right in his backyard in the same city. He thinks it's illegal in Canada as well. But at, in Canada at the time, it wasn't a regulated substance. So it was actually legal. So he contacted the clinic. The clinic ended up, uh, you know, getting him registered. He, he did all of his due diligence. And March of 2017, he ended up in... Liberty Root, and that was the name of the clinic. He was supposed to stay there for 10 days. He thought to himself that this would be a piece of cake. Like, I'm just going to take this medication and I will, you know, close my eyes and I'll probably see green men jumping around or some lights or some flashes or whatever and once I get up I'm all done. But he was wrong. It was the hardest thing he's ever done in his life. This medicine was so powerful, this tree root, that his journey, just to give you a glimpse of it, when he closed his eyes for the first time, it started in his grave. He was wrapped in two pieces of white cloth in his coffin. In the middle of the desert, it was a sunny day, as he describes it. And he started panicking. So I'm not going to get into the details of that journey that he's seen and what he's seen and what he experienced. We'll have to save that for another day. But it was the most difficult thing and it broke him. 
Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam says that no one shall enter into paradise with even an ounce of pride. And the Sahaba Ikram radiallahu anhum ajma'een who were sitting with him, they asked and inquired that even you, Ya Rasulullah, and Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam responded by saying, even me. We will only enter into Jannah by the mercy of Allah. This individual describes it as this journey that he was put on broke his nafs, any pride he had. And again, within the journey, the psychedelic journey, <coughs> he was standing at a crossroads where he either chose to be dependent completely on Allah, tawakkal ala Allah, or continue to fight himself. I'm just giving you a little glimpse into what this person, the gravity, the depth of what he went through. When he woke up, and there's a whole process, they do micro-dosing, small dosage, and then they do the flood dose, which you're under for 12 to 18 hours. And when he woke up, basically, in a total of eight days, he left the treatment center when he was supposed to stay there for 10. Not only did Allah cure him from his addiction, and let me remind you, let me tell you that his last dosage that he took of opioids was 55 pills in one day. In one day. There's more than half a gram of oxycodone, of oxy in a day. So 55 10 milligram tablets. He went from 55 to zero only by the rahmah of Allah, only by the will of Allah. He has been clean for almost three years now, not a single tablet. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blessed him with no more pancreatitis. He got a clean bill of health. And this story is about none other than myself. Someone like myself, who many of you know, has gone through addiction. I feel no shame. I feel no shame and I want to break the stigma associated and the fact that our community, specifically our community, turns a blind eye to these issues. They exist. They exist for people that you look up to as well, such as myself, that you think are living the most perfect life. But they exist for the individuals who choose to use it recreationally, 
But our community still turns these instances and these situations as people affected by jinn or sahar or, or magic. And I'm sharing my story for no other reason but to even help one individual. That there's no shame in requesting support. There's no shame in reaching out. There's no shame in asking for help. And if that's the individual himself or his family or him or her, these issues don't impact only uh, a male. They impact our sisters. They impact our brothers. They impact our uncles, our aunts, our parents, our children. So my dear beloved brothers and sisters, I request you to share this story. Share the greatness of Allah because my life changed forever. Prior to this, Allah Azza wa Jal, no matter what the knowledge I had, no matter what knowledge I had acquired, or what respect or reputation I had built in the community, the one thing I realized was Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was a textbook identity for me in the first 35 years of my life. I believed in Allah because that's what I was taught to believe. I believed in Allah because that's what I had inherited. But going through what I went through, Allah went from becoming a textbook identity to a realization. A realization that if someone was to put a gun to my head and say, deny that Allah exists, I cannot undo that in my mind, in my heart. And so for that, I am thankful to Allah for what I went through over the course of five years. And when I got out of it, may Allah bless my family and my wife in particular, they were still standing by my side. Had I been anyone else, I deserved to be abandoned the way I treated them. May Allah, may Allah bless them. And this is why I mention them, is because there are many of you out there who suspect maybe their child is involved or one of their loved ones is involved and has an addiction or has a problem. Please stand by them, support them, help them heal. Do not ostracize them. Do not treat them like criminals. Addiction is an illness which requires treatment. Addiction is not a crime. Some people are addicted to cigarettes. Some people are addicted to coffee, sugar, chocolate, candies. It's an illness. And our community needs to move forward and support individuals 
listen to them listen to them hear them out and get them in touch with the right people with the people that can help them some may be cured using tree roots some may be cured using 12-step programs some may be cured using Alcoholic Anonymous some may be cured with uh, Narcotics Anonymous but there are many treatments out there and our community knows nothing about them and we need to change and that change starts today so may Allah bless those who stood by my side may Allah bless those who helped cure me in particular Mr. Trevor Miller and his entire team at Liberty Root for me they are angels that Allah sent and I thank the most is Allah Azza wa Jal for loving me and allowing me to realize who he is may Allah protect all of our children our families our loved ones and may Allah help the individuals who are struggling with addiction and take them out of this addiction like you did to me ya rab wa akhir da'wana an alhamdulillahi rabbil alamin